Hey everybody, welcome to EMS Underground. I am uh, Charles and Paul, and that is somebody else. Oh, I can't I, read on your shirt, sir. Uh, Tom. Hey. <laughs> I'm Tom. I'm Tom. I'm Tom. I made it today. Yeah, you did. Um, and it's been busy, but we're doing we're doing this on a Thursday, right? Here we go. That's you. You got That's me. That's me. <laughs> uh, oh so man, I, I love how everything. that looks. Love how everything looks. Oh, there I am. So yeah. Uh, all right, all right, all right. So we're gonna be we're gonna be inviting people. We're gonna be doing things. But today, uh, we're gonna be tackling the idea of not just citizen complaints, but other service complaints, and you know. How honestly, I'm, let me just state it: how the industry is broken. We're broken in how we address complaints. Uh, we need to be more transparent. We need to be more clear. We need to educate our employees and our staff better. And the public. And the public. I mean, there's some of that, right? I I know I've gotten complaints for telling you know the public people, members of the public, to get out of my ambulance, and they're like, "Oh, you is my mama." I was like. And of course, the company backed me up. And was like, but he so was trying to save us? your mama's life, and you're in in the way. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we we do have a, a sheet of of specific types of complaints, and we're just going to address them. We're going to tackle them. Uh, hopefully, I don't get too angry because you know it triggers some things in me. It triggers most of my anger. I'll go ahead safe and tell something, you. Safe place. It, I, this is never a safe place. I've worked here plenty. <laughs> to know, you know that uh, uh, at some point everything becomes a joke, and that's okay. I like it. Um, but I, you know, a lot of my anger will come from how I know I used to run calls, and I'm mad at my old self, if that makes sense. And then some of it comes from the frustration of seeing problems in the industry when I was full-time as a medic and trying to address those problems and having nobody listen to me. You didn't get anywhere. It didn't get anywhere. And being frustrated with seeing the same things happening today. I mean, I, I got my EMT in 97. That's 22 years ago, oh, tw- almost 23 years ago. You're old. <laughs> You're older than I am. Shut up. Yeah. You got, I think you got uh, your EMT in 1964 before they even had the Whatever. Highway Safety Act out there. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not that old. Uh, how do I watch this? There we go. And uh, we got we already have people watching, so welcome, welcome everybody for being here. I'm yes, thank you for joining us, and we really appreciate you and your time. So yes, uh, complaints. Right, I'm sure as a captain, you had to field more than one or two. A couple in your job. Overall, how just general categories? How much of it was possibly just one? They wanted to be mad at somebody, and we were the outlet. Mm-hmm. Versus public education. Versus these the let's just I'm just call everybody a medic. The medic's going to be the general term for EMT, AMT, and paramedic today. So, how much of it was the medic's actual fault? Everyone that I ever looked into was that very little of the complaint could be a tri- could be attributed to the medic. Okay. That's why, like in some of the things that we're looking at now, I'm very skeptical. Of okay. Everything. Okay. Because people will call us for things that are out of control, and then they get there and they expect us to fix everything. 
And we're, that's not what we do. And that's not what we can do. We can't fix everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let, let me throw a, an end result to you as well. Because I know something that was talked about. Whew, when I was in the truck, they, they were testing out cameras that could broadcast to the ER or at least record. And this is, you're talking about when I left the field, 2006, 2007 when I, I left the active field of being on an ambulance and went to an office where I worked for a cardiologist company and did reports and those kind of things. And then now, you know, many years later, I'm teaching in a school. But so you're talking about technology wise, our flip phone, our phones were flip phones or they were Nextels, right? That was right. fairly common when I left the, the active industry and cameras were verboten. I mean, you just didn't want it. And I remember even thinking, because it was a report out of Texas. I want to say the T University of Texas Health Department was testing out these cameras at the time that could use cell technology to broadcast to the ER so the doctor could look in the back of the truck. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, I, I don't want that because I do have an imposter syndrome sometimes of I feel like I might always mess something up. I even, even out here when I'm lecturing, I have to come in and go, I know what I'm talking about. And I can leave room to I'll misstate something. Or I, I, I don't have to know everything. That's not what an educator is. You don't know literally everything. Uh, so a little side note on that. If you come to one of my lectures, the first thing you're going to hear out of my mouth is, did you read your book? Because at some point in the next two hours of this lecture, I'm going to say something that is incorrect. And if you didn't read your book, you're going to learn it as gospel and you're going to fail your test. Or you're going to be uneducated EMT. Because I don't know everything and sometimes I mix terms up and so on and so forth. So... Uh, uh, that's, that's, uh, uh, Clint Jones is, is saying to somebody, you did a great job when you saved my life. Uh, yep. so whoever that, that was, that's Clint, you, got, you know, built the ambulance simulator. Who? What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you always call me bearding McJones face. So I'm, I was <laughs> unsure of, of Clint. <laughs> I was teasing Clint. Uh, he's by the way, Clint, you do amazing work. I mean, the bookshelf, the, mm -hmm. the ambulance simulator. I mean, those things are solidly built and, and amazingly Check designed. him out at the Gray Thorn. There you go. Nice little plug. Yeah, i give you a plug, brother. So uh, I was definitely fearful of cameras. I've come full 180 yeah, on that. I think, I think you should have dash cams. Mm -hmm. uh, I know AMR has a, 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 a rearview mirror cam, but I think medics need to wear body cams. I do what do you too. think about that? Okay. How, how, how do we go about doing that? Well, money. I think that's not the first hurdle. But I think uh, uh, a lot of places are going to be afraid to, because it's going to of what it's going to reveal. Exactly. I think the biggest hurdle. Uh, let's go back to run times when we first got those scantrons. Now everything's computerized. Uh, this is this is kind of how old I am, I guess. But we went from just printed out sheets that you document on to the scan trials where you did the bubbles. And it was supposed to be for the state, and all of it yeah. had to go to the state. And we had to do it yeah. exactly right. And you had a QA, all, in, all, all services hired a QA person to make sure, just to make sure the bubbles were dotted yep. and everything went correctly. Uh, I was under the assumption that that was going to be scientific research for response times. And then I was under the assumption that this is all public data. That's not the case. Well, Technically speaking, they do. Um, 
they do report those numbers to the federal government, which is a requirement. Okay. And it is used for research and data for improving systems and care and stuff like that. And QA, QI as well. But you're talking about a universal scale where it's just a mass of numbers from all these services across the United States at that federal level. And then at the state level, you're still talking about every run done. It's just in a mass of a data bank. I thought it'd be more of a... I'm referring to the instance uh, from Athens for Everyone, I think is who right. we had on. They were talking about transparency where they stood up in a meeting and said, let me see your run times. And the, the owner of the private ambulance company said, I have a private company. I don't have to do that. Right. That's the hurdle you're going to have to jump before we can and even talk about we cameras. we shouldn't have to. I mean, we should, we should be able to get that information. Absolutely. For, we should be able to get that information for public 911 responses. Private non-emergency stuff, that's different. That should be, that should be mm-hmm. outside, I think. I think anything that is a, a private industry thing that has nothing to do with, you know, the general public should be left to, you know, regular corporate compliance, trade secrets and stuff like that. But when it comes to 911 responses, yeah, that should be completely transparent and open to the public. I believe, and you, this is where you, you've got more experience, get more knowledge, maybe you can guide me in a different direction. I hope not, because I, I believe this should be. Anything that goes on that PCR, patient care report, that's 100% public knowledge governed. Now, I'm not talking about HIPAA, right, redacting. I, I, we get their social, mm-hmm. so you want to redact their social, you redact their, their birthday, their name, uh, what they called for, you know, those kind of things. The things that can harm them in the public, that's what HIPAA is for. Uh, but I'm talking about, that's a, that's a legal document. That's not a trade secret, I guess is what I'm saying. That's not something that... Well, that's not what the legal the document right. means. The legal document means that that is a legal document for that individual person, not for the public. But I'm, what I'm saying is, when you say, I don't have to give you run times, which are documented mm-hmm. on that form, or just recorded somewhere, because I'm a private, that's not an industry secret. That You shouldn't have well, the right... I think, in my opinion, to say that. I think that if it's a non-emergency contract agreement where you have a service that's doing dialysis transports and stuff like that, then that service shouldn't be compelled to make that free and open to the public. Now, if you do an open records request or a legal request and you subpoena them, then yes, you should. But I don't think the company should have to turn those numbers over. Why is that? Because it's it's trade secrets. That's your run, your run times. Yeah, because now if if you run a service right, okay, and you're wanting to get that contract from them, sure. And we've seen this before with other services that will say, "Oh, I can do it back faster. I can do it better." They do that without do the run numbers. So if you give them that number and they can figure out, okay, well. Well, XYZ Ambulance Company is doing your dialysis transports and it's taking them 25-minute turnaround time to get to your facility. We can get there in 15 minutes. 
Well, they've got that ammunition and that service that other people Okay, that okay, so you're, that's more of a non-emergency side. That's what I'm saying. I see, okay. Okay, okay, so I'll differentiate. Let me, let me now, straighten up. on the 911 side, yes. that's different. I think that should be public knowledge for everybody okay. to Okay, now we're to on the same page. See. I got you. All right, yeah, that's fair. Because that, I guess I was assuming in my mind when I'm talking about run times, I'm thinking of the 911 runs. Right. But, okay. Uh, because to a point, I mean, you can get that. Data. It'll get mushed down. And so when people are recording data from two years ago, that's because that's what's been made public by the state studies right. or the governmental studies saying, on average, Cobb County had a 20-minute response time, blah, blah, blah. By full, yeah, well, okay, so for my purposes in this case, it's 911. I think there should be body cams. When we're reading through some of these cases and – uh, oh, here's a, a, a comment I marked, and there's supposed to be a way for me to share it on here. So you might see me playing with the broadcast with something that's not quite relevant to what we're speaking to at the time because I'm figuring out the new tools on our broadcasting system. Um, but uh, it's usually, uh, Marie Crosby Stilley says, uh, as far as complaints go, usually uh, someone just wants to be mad at someone or they thought the medic didn't take them serious enough. And I've absolutely had those complaints uh, where – I'm literally trying to talk. It's the same story I tell in the chest pain lecture of mm-hmm. I walk in and I'm trying to talk this person into going to the hospital right. because they're having textbook issues. The complaint was, because this part I don't tell in the lecture because it it's not relevant. The complaint was his adult kids are running around screaming Help my daddy. Daddy, you need, to, you need to call a helicopter. If you can call a helicopter for a wreck, you can call him for the... Da, da, da. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't even get him to get in my ambulance. What, and I can't think. I mean, it's just, I literally, literally turned around and said, shut up. I mean, I yelled it, and it's ugly. And I didn't cuss at him, but I did in an ugly tone say, shut up. They called later to complain that I did that. Well, you know, there, there's valid complaints and there's invalid complaints. There's customer service complaints because the thing is people got to realize is that you're working for a company. You represent that company and you're there to provide good customer service as, long, as well as good care. Now, sometimes there's a time and place for us to be stern and to take charge and to tell yeah. somebody to shut up. But then there's a professional way to do it. Yeah. And some and people don't like being told what to do and they're going to complain. Mm-hmm. Some people and the biggest time whenever I was a captain, the biggest time whenever we would get the complaints was after they received the bill. Ah, yeah. So the state office, I'm sure the state office is inundated with complaints after the bill has been received. I'm sure these services are inundated with complaints after they get the bill. That happens, and that's just sure. people upset, and you'll get like, oh, well, whenever they got there, they, they took me to the waiting room, or I had to wait, or, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't give me, you know, morphine, or they didn't give me a pillow or something like that. Well, What's the craziest already. complaint that maybe you can remember receiving as a supervisor? Or on yourself, I guess. Being, well, there really wasn't anything really crazy, but the complaints that I remember were – a lot of them revolved around people going to triage. Okay. And I'd have to say that's not our call. You know, when we get to the facility, we give them a report, and if the hospital says to go to triage, that's where we have to take you. You know, because right. people feel like, oh, I called 911. That means I get to go to the back first. Yeah. No, people, if you're out there and you're a general civilian, you don't know anything about 
how 911 works, whatever, just because you go in by ambulance does not mean you get to go to the back first. Everybody goes to the same level triage, regardless if it's an ambulance or not. It's just you notice that people by ambulance go in back first because they're a higher triage level for most part. Yeah. I I, I think that's the part of the, the citizen education. Of, right. Because there is a misconception that if you call the ambulance – well, okay, there's a misconception by medics and EMTs everywhere that if you call the ambulance, you need the ambulance. That's not necessarily true. And for most people who call, I feel like they either believe they need the ambulance, which might not medically be true, but they don't but they know that. They believe it. But they believe it, yeah. or they actually need one. But there's definitely an aspect of the people who call a small – I even though it feels like it's what we deal with the most, it's just what sticks out in our minds. I think – Technically speaking, probably a smaller percentage of people call just because they just want to abuse the system or they just right. want to ride or, or somebody else told them no and they want to see if we can do We've had those calls, right? Uh, hello, Linda. Thanks for joining. We've had those calls, uh, 911 calls, where somebody had gone to the hospital. The hospital didn't give them what they wanted. Or they even called from the hospital oh, yeah. for you to come we've pick had, them up. No, take them to we, hospital. we've had them call, leave the hospital go across the road to CVS, call 911, and request transport back to the same hospital. That happens in the cab Because a they lot. figured that, oh, I came in by ambulance, they'll see me quicker. And what ends up happening is that they're immediately recognized, you were just in the waiting room. Yeah, nope, they have you a go, chart. Now, now you were like the fifth out, you left, you lost your spot, now you're back at number 20. And you have an ambulance bill. And you have an ambulance bill. And yeah. then they get upset because, oh, I should have went in the back first. Well, that's not the EMS responders' fault. Yeah, so that definitely here's, – here's part of what we can do for the education of just because you call the ambulance doesn't mean you're going to go right back into the ER. Right. You know? Now, a misconception I had – and we're getting into – we're going to get into some specific complaints, complaints, not just from citizens but from other services against other services type yep. of deal. Fire versus private EMS, that kind of thing. Uh, but one of the, the misconceptions I had is um, I lost it now. I lost that, it. It's that sometimers hit. It is right. that sometimers. Is I had that something. Just right. But, it was right there, right? Yeah, I tried. I tried to bring it back into what we're talking about, and I messed myself up. Hey, Sarah, Charles is losing it. Please help me. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's there's the complaints of they don't understand. Then you get the complaints. Uh, well, mine was an unprofessionalism type of thing. Right. So the thing was, I, I'm literally, and that's no. how, and the thing is, I documented. <laughs> Look, man, you. Remember, I think I might have even told you this. Like, if I don't get called in your office once per shift, I'm not doing my job right. And that's what I believed, and I was wrong. I mean, there's there's a way to do your job, and even the nicest. Did Smiley? Did Pat ever get a complaint? I don't. Has I don't. Um, Pat never gets a complaint. How you the know? heck can Pat get a complaint? Because, one, he's super smart. He's super dedicated to doing the job right. And he's super nice. So there's always the exception that proves the rule of you could do your job per perfectly professional, medically correct. They might even write a paper on your call to teach other people how to do the job. And that person can still complain on you. Mm -hmm. You know, there is definitely something there to that. Uh, but there's definitely some aspects of people who who don't get complaints. Like, yeah, Pat, man, he's he's... I, can't, I don't know how you could get a complaint from him. Then there's people like myself. I'm just kind of an aggressive guy. And when I walk in, I immediately take over. 
and I might do everything right and smile and say the nicest things, but I rub you the wrong way but just because of who I am and my personality. One thing I've found, too, about complaints is that you can have people, because, you know, we all talk around the table. We talk at the station, and you work with people, too, and you see them, and you'll have somebody who comes to work every day. They look ultra-professional because remember at Newton we had the, the badges and the collar yes. brass yes. and the nameplates. And, you know, press shirts, you know, uh, yeah. and shiny shoes and boots. Every, you had to look and people great. people come in, mm-hmm. and they look great. And you would have some people who were ATFU'd. You know what that means? ATFU'd? Eight? The <laughs> should, could not treat a freaking cold. Yeah. You know? You can, you can polish with a turd all day long. With directions. You could give them directions. They still mess it up. Some of them couldn't put the truck in park, you know. Uh, a great anyways, turn for that can't get right. Can't get right. Can't, so, yeah. so you've got those people, but they would show up and they would be nice, and they look professional. Never a complaint, ever. ever. At quality control, be like flagging the reports, going, "Why did they do this?" For that's yeah. that's against It'd protocols. Like this, yeah. then you would have somebody come in, you know, their uniform's a little wrinkly. Hair a little scruffly, tattoos. Mm-hmm. That's like that misconception. People with tattoos. I'm not against tattoos, so don't. I don't want to hear anybody going out there saying Tom does like tattoos. I could care less, to be honest with sure. you. Sure. But the public, I'm telling you, we get more. We got more complaints with people with the tattoos showing, which I think is probably wrong because on on the other people's fault. Because whenever I'd investigate it, I'd find out that it was unwarranted. Most yeah. of the time, it'd just be, you didn't like the person because of the way they looked or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because some of these people were like some of the best medics ever. And they would get complaints. But then you'd have this other person over here that looked, you know, nice pressed shirt, polished brass. Mm-hmm. Never get a complaint on them. But then you got the better medic who's providing the accurate care. Yeah. Go in, and they may just say something off a little bit, just a little bit, and the people take it. Like, oh, oh my, you did what? You said yeah. what? You know, or yeah. whatever. And then next thing you know, I'm investigating it, and I'm finding out, like, okay, don't say that anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know, I got that. Don't say that anymore. <laughs> I got but, that but I'm looking at the patient care report, yeah. and I'm looking at finding out, looking at the patient care report, talking to the, their partner, talking to the fire guys, they did everything perfect. They did the best care. You were if in the situation you're in, that's the person you wanted treating you. Yeah. They were just a little rough. I, and I, that, and yeah. that's the thing. And sometimes that's why I'm like, you can't automatically take what the public says immediately. Mm-hmm. You have to investigate and look into it. Of the complaints that were addressed with me, because I'm sure I got plenty that were never addressed with me directly, uh, that were handled by my superiors one way or the other of the complaints that were addressed with me. Well, technically the two that were medically based were never complained on. One was quality control flag. The other, I went to quality control and go, I don't feel like I handled this. Can you help me? And they, they took the opportunity to teach me all the other complaints were, I said something that pissed somebody off. And my whole defense is, is my medicine wrong? And I mean, when somebody don't, and I didn't, I didn't want to hear mm-hmm. your attitude's wrong or you're unprofessional or 
You know, I, I did have a belief that personal belief that what does it matter how I look? My medicine's what matters. Now, as an older, mature adult who's run a business a couple of times since then, I understand. Okay, truth is, it doesn't matter. Reality is perception, and perception matters. matters that it ma- yeah, it, it does matter uh, when when you uh, <laughs> when you <laughs> shut up, Amy. Stop distracting me, <laughs> Amy. Um, but uh, it does matter to some people. And the best moment I had was after midnight, man. I would come in. My shirt might not be tucked in. I definitely had sleep in my face. My hair could be a mess. Uh, my boots were not tied because I'm not going to take the time to tie my boots. I'm going to go on this call because I had boots that took a minute. Um, well, and the one time it was. zippers, dude. Yeah, I did ultimately get zippers, but I, I don't know. I, I had a broke mentality. I didn't want to spend the 20 bucks well, or whatever yeah, it was for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I, but my point get is. the invoice. I walked in. A dollar a month. <laughs> Whatever. I walked into this call with some of that in tow of my boots were undone. And the only ever time is this one call is, oh, is an elderly couple difficulty in breathing. The, the wife had difficulty in breathing. And I walk in and my partner immediately goes into do vital signs because she was awesome that way. And I'm getting, and I, we have our jump kit, we have all our stuff. And I'm getting a picture of it. I'm talking to him. And I mean, we're, we're Johnny on the spot, even though it's three in the morning. We're, we're getting this. And the old man kind of laughs at me. He's like, Hey, I see you. Yeah, you got here fast, and I, I, I didn't understand what that man was like. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess so. He goes, well, you know, I, he was joking. He's like, yeah, I see you didn't tie your boots or whatever, but I, I appreciate that. I'd rather you get here fast and get here. I was like, and I started laughing. Like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my thought process too. Um, but most time, you will get complaints of, well, you know, they, they, they were dressed shabbily. Not shallow. They didn't have their shirt tucked in. They showed up because some services after midnight they'll let you show up in a t-shirt, right? Yep. During the day you have that professional stuff, uh, and I, I never had this position of where I had to take complaints from the company on somebody or from the citizens rather on, for somebody else. But my my response always would have been, "Did they did they save your your mama's life? All right then, have a nice day." You know, it's like, I I I don't care that they showed up in a t-shirt. Did they do their job? But you have to, I know there's a middle ground you have to yeah. meet there. So, shifting that, I don't think you ever got a complaint. I don't think I worked long enough with you to get a complaint. Because I don't remember ever having to really sit in your office for anything medical, no. you know. Um, and I, I will say, most of my supervisors, I feel like, probably cover for the unprofessional. Because I'll admit, there were some unprofessionals. I was very much a a-hole that came in and was like, no, this is my scene. And, I mean, I'm gonna. I treated everybody the same. I was like, right. I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna do the medicine. I don't care about the family members. And and now that, that being said, I also knew sometimes we treated the family members and not the the patient, right? Sometimes we talked mm-hmm. to them. So there's, there's not one snapshot that is accurate of me. But there's times when I had no problem telling family members shut up and get out of my face because I'm trying to save their life. Well, sometimes they need to yeah. hear something like that because they're hysterical and you're bringing order to the scene. But you still have to stay professional at all times about it. Yeah. You know, there's things that me and you probably did in our career that we should not advocate. We should oh, not yeah. be. Yeah. And we should have been disciplined over. And we need to take those experiences and um, teach the younger generations from our mistakes. So this is a, this is a flip side to a complaint. <laughs> uh, apparently there was a, a, a team of medics that introduced themselves. Of Jim Weedick was the head of, of Newton. Uh, hospital there and Mike Luna was the director of 
EMS at the time or the captain or whatever they called that position. And uh, so somebody introduced, so medics introduced themselves as Jim Wiedek and Mike Luna. And then the patient brought them cookies because of their patient cares of how that, that worked out. Those cookies were good, though. <laughs> uh, so, all right, pull up one of your sheets over there and let's talk about there's a level of complaint that is serious, either from a citizen or if you're not fire EMS as one whole, you're two different departments, right? You're, uh, let's use the cab. The cab county is a private ambulance company, AMR, right. and a county based fire service. So there are two different responding entities. So one, you know, fire can complain about EMS, EMS can complain about fire. And even in, in the service when you're as one, like when that fire is, you could probably do that. Um, what's one of the things we want to tackle with an example of a, a complaint well, that I should think, be addressed and how do we address that? I think um, spending too much time on scene. That, is, that and, is a long one. And not providing care. You know, while you're there, not walking yeah. in, you need to, whenever you get on scene, you need to be professional and a professional walks in with their equipment ready to treat every patient every time. I say it all the time. Complacency is what's going to get you because you'll go through a day responding to calls, doing things, and you'll get away with something. First time you'll smart off to somebody or you won't bring in a Pete your equipment, you'll leave your jump bag in the truck, and you know what? Nothing happens. Everything yes. goes good. So then the next yeah. you know, a few calls later you like you do the same thing. And then you start doing it, you start off maybe doing it once a shift. Then next thing you know you're doing it two and three times a shift. And it's consistently mm-hmm. You're doing this consistently because, you know what, nothing happened with the other calls. And then you walk in on that one call, and the patient is, like, seizing or having or not breathing or in cardiac arrest, and you have nothing with you. And everything is now downstairs in the ambulance, and somebody's got to go run get it, and it delays care. And, and not only that, it throws off the, the flow of the whole call. Now everything is just discombobulated. But you know what? For the last year, you've been doing this, and you've gotten away with it. Why not keep doing it? Why? Because one day it's going to come by you. How you? I didn't learn this then. I learned this after I left the field. How you do anything is how you do everything. And I had good partners that made me check the truck off, not pencil whip the form, actually check it so when i became a paramedic and i fought it i didn't like it i'm talking about working in morgan county at fair play where all i wanted to do was we knew the likelihood of us running one call was low the likelihood of running no calls in a shift was really high so i just wanted to to get to my video games or take a nap i just i'll I'll watch the truck later and my partners uh, chuck savage being one of them was always like no you get out here and you check this truck because we're in a worse situation than if you were downtown Atlanta. We don't have I – mean, we have you good have backup, backup, but they're 20 minutes away. Yep. It's us out here, and you need to know. So when I became a medic, I say my butt more times than I can mm-hmm. count of I actually checked off my truck. And, hey, I won't name the service, but I was at a service that absolutely was – we didn't have volume for six months because there's a battle between us and the hospital and i guarantee you we're talking about the same service probably i went there and the laryngoscope didn't have batteries and it hadn't had batteries for a whole shift 
and then I got in trouble for taking the truck out of service and going. And I went to you had to buy the, batteries yourself didn't to the you? store and bought the batteries myself. But I yeah. refused to run a call until I got those batteries because I was not going to be liable. Yeah, yeah. But then I got called into the office and got in trouble for it, and I was like. You can get, and I told the director, you can get mad at me all you want. You can write me up. Go ahead and put it in writing because I'm going to put my rebuttal that you was forcing me to go in service in a truck that had inadequate equipment that was in violation of the state of Georgia. And we want to talk about complaints that there are certain things that the state yeah. of Georgia can investigate and not. And one of them is a, one hard line that the state of Georgia does have that they can investigate and get you on is the minimum equipment list. Matter of fact, I remember the day when E.J. Daly and Sam Cook and some of the other ones would be at the hospital waiting on you to arrive and say, okay, I need to see your license, I need to see your CPR card, I need to see your ACLS card. It was a requirement you for have you to, to have them those. on you. Yes. And then they would go through and inspect your truck at the dock when you just dropped off a patient. Uh, I heard E.J. talking about that not that long ago, because I can't remember – it wasn't at one of the meetings. It was somewhere where she, I interacted with her outside of a meeting. And somebody jokes like, oh, there's EJ. Bear, make sure your truck's locked. And she laughs like, yeah, if I have opportunity to, if I'm at a hospital, I will still check the trucks. And if I yep. catch your truck unlocked, Especially the that's a bad day. Especially the and drugs have to be locked up. Yeah. And they'd get you on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that, com- that thing you got to look out for. And you know what? I never got written up. But you know what? It got more difficult for me to get time to work there. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I thought was be it. I would think that instead of going in and him saying, "Hey, I didn't know that there was a problem with laryngoscope batteries. Thank you for taking care of it. You know, I understand the and legalities." They didn't have and batteries for you to put in it. You had to go buy. I had them. to go buy. I mean, come on. I had to go buy two C batteries. And you know what? We were out of service for ten minutes. And you know what? In reality... And how many calls did you actually miss? None. None. And you know what? In reality, if a call would have came, we just would have quickly ran in, grabbed some batteries, and got out. Yeah. Depending on the type of call it was, too. If it came out like a nothing call, I probably would have just picked it up and ran it anyway. But I was making a point that I wasn't going to run a cardiac arrest and not have my equipment. Yeah. Because then it would have fell on me legally as a licensed medic. And I, I wasn't doing that. So, but then yeah. the good old boy re- repercussions got me. So, uh, scene times, right? Not bringing equipment in allow, uh, carries that. I, I definitely, I definitely ran many calls where I walked in with a clipboard because I mm-hmm. thought this is a nothing call. It's either going to become getting a truck or a refusal. Now, I won't work a refusal. I, I, I prefer just you come get in the truck because it's easier on me. But, you know, I came in with a clipboard and I got caught my pants down a few times. But that uh, the lowest it got was like saggy, baggy pants. Like, just pull your pants up, man. Mm -hmm. Never harmed the patient. Never, you know, anything that became an issue. But the the one that caught my that woke me up was I was a lead medic on a call when our chest pain from coughing had been released from the hospital that morning with walking pneumonia. I walked in assuming this is going to be a pneumonia, coughing patient. Had a bag. I mean, had the airway bag. They were different. We had the monitor was different. The jump bag right. was different. And the airway bag. We had the airway bag just for auction to help them out. And I, I, I brought the clipboard. My partner had the airway bag. That was it. He had a V-fib seizure right in front of us. Had a heart attack. 
and I was caught with my my hands on my clipboard. Is a better way saying like, uh, "Oh crap!" But fortunately, fire was right behind us. They brought the stretcher right to the door. We got him back. But I had a clipboard and an oxygen tank, essentially. Mm-hmm. So and that was that was, and that woke me up. And never again, never again, did I walk into a call with just a clipboard in my hands. I made sure I had something I could. And now riding with the cab and AMR, I like what they do. It's the monitor is attached to the stretcher at all times. And the oxygen tank is attached to the stretcher. And actually, they have little things on the back of the stretcher. They have, essentially, the stretcher is your airway bag. So you put your jump bag on the stretcher, take the stretcher to the house. And the first question you ask as you're walking in is uh, a scene safety, right? You assess the situation and you either ask what's going on today or if you assess it to where they're going to need to go to the hospital. As soon as you walk in, what hospital would you like to go to? Mm-hmm. That's something I never did, and I appreciate learning that now. I think it's a great thing. Um, what what should a scene time be on an average call? Let's go cardiac arrest. Do the TV call. Cardiac arrest. What should your well, scene time be? I, I don't think I could put a scene time on a cardiac arrest, per se. Because but I think if you, you had should, to. Well, I think <laughs> you should be on scene adequate enough time because as a cardiac arrest, the first you know, 10 to 20 minutes is going to be the same in the hospital. And that first 10 to 20 minutes is going to be crucial that we get those things And that's done. documented. CPR, CPR, airway, possibly an IV if you have people, defibrillation. Defibrillation and ALS care. Yeah. Getting that done. And, you know, okay. usually a lot of services want you to do, you know, three, four rounds of epi and defibrillations before you start going that way. So it depends on your service. And it depends on your level. If you're a BLS, just an EMT, you know, you may do three or four rounds of defibrillation, you know, with the AED, the AED yeah, you yeah. know, and get going. What? Okay, so let's take it away from the TV drama because I get you, you know, but I think your goal should always be moving towards a truck as fast as you well, can. Well, it's like with a stroke patient, right? If you think it's a stroke, 10 minutes. Trauma patients, we should be having a goal of around 10 minutes. Uh, I know when I flew for Emory Flight, if we were on scene longer than 10 minutes, we had to document exactly why we were on scene for greater than 10 minutes. And a lot of times that was easy to do because you were getting an advanced airway, getting, you know, sure something. Major. Something you needed before you put them on the helicopter yeah. to save but we had life. To, but we had to adequately document that. We also had to show, like, when we were in there, we were making progress. Like, we had to assess that airway within so many minutes of getting seen and that was documented by, you know, we had kept up with those times really thoroughly. But we were moving towards that goal to get in and out as quickly as possible. Someone's on a medical call, it's important to get that history yeah. and, and get them going, you know. But, you know, we should be trying to move. I, I don't think that, I think the majority of the time, Whenever you look at scene times that are 40 minutes to an hour long, I think that's a, that those are red flags. You really need to look into uh, what was going on there that took 40 minutes yeah. to an hour, you know? Yeah. Uh, some of the things that we, we are referencing as, as far as the situation is 20-minute scene time where then they release the fire department, and 20, minute, 20 minutes later, after being they're patient, they're still on, on the scene. scene. Yep. And you then, know? That's that's. If I hit thirty minutes on a scene for any reason, mm-hmm. in my mind, when I was an active medic, 
I was like, I'm going to get my ass chewed. I'm going to, how do I document this correctly? I mean, correctly, not because we're going to get in document next uh, because I, I think it's, we're not harsh enough about documentation, but it's why I'm asking myself, why am I still here? 30 minutes in, holy cow, you know, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've seen more and more complaints are coming to us because of you awesome viewers and listeners sending us uh, documentation. Uh, Charles at GAIMS.com. If you want us to talk about it, we'll take a look at everything and we'll address it as we feel appropriate. But we're starting to get more and more stuff sent to us that is documented. That call I just talked about where fire complained on the ems service yeah, it was going, actually the fire department yeah we were there for 20 minutes and they the, you're not going into the full details but it's like we feel like it's a veiled complaint of incompetence or negligence but it's veiled because that's a harsh legal thing to levy against somebody that's a serious accusation mm-hmm. of incompetence is not quite a legal thing but it's a training thing but negligence sure enough is a legal thing right so they're they're hesitant to say they're saying everything but we feel like this is negligence you know we call 20 minutes later to see what hospital they went to because they're arguing with the patient about what hospital to go to they're still on scene right you know that's a problem when they could have been in the hospital how as a as a instructor as a school owner as a commander captain how do you address that with your people well one you have to have a standard did you meet the standard what was the scene time? What was the reason why? Look into it. And if it's because you're arguing about what facility to go to, that's not a valid complaint. You know, you need to go ahead and get in route. At least go to the facility they're going to. Get them to sign a refusal saying, hey, I, this patient is refusing to go to the closest facility. They want to go to another facility. At least you're in route. You're 20 minutes clo- further down the road than where you're at. I think that's an yeah. easier... It's easier to defend that stance okay well let's get into how you have to find this out i know it's always amazed me and i've never really been able to, to, to pin, get you and steve to sit down with, i haven't taken the time i should say to, to get you and steve to pinpoint how you knew this but we've had it happen with our students i know you've done quality control for 911 services how do you see a document and know there's something about this that's not correct. That's not right. There's a lie going on here because one of my biggest things, I don't think we're hard enough about documentation about as a school. We don't, I don't think we teach it enough, but, but again, I see your side of it going, but we have to teach everything. And a lot of services have their own ways of documenting things. It becomes that the service kind of teaches that, but how do you go from you really need to honestly document everything? And how do you see on your side of it? Tom going, wait, now, there's something that doesn't smell right here because documentation yeah. covers up a because lot. Whenever I look at documentation, I look for gaps. Okay. You know, where was things omitted? Because remember, we train and we teach that Pertinent if it's negatives. not documented, it didn't happen. Right. So what's missing? Where are the gaps? And then also whenever you talk to the partner and you talk to the family, where are the gaps there? Where are things not correlating together? And then you start asking questions. I know on one situation we're reviewing, we're looking at things and looking at the patient care report, it's very gappy. But yeah. then whenever you look at the incident reports, 
that they had them do afterwards is very detailed. And I think that if the crew would have written the patient care report like they did the incident reports, it would have saved a lot of time for that crew and, you know, would have probably made looking into it more difficult. And I saw, I saw someone on Facebook recently argue with that in a group that I haven't been able to get into yet. But they argued with, well, we used to teach, and they said used to teach, uh, if you don't document it, it didn't happen. But the reality is, a lot of stuff happens that you don't document. I d- uh, no. Then you're, you're setting yourself up for trouble. And, and that's why I'm all for body camps. All right. I'm all, lock it down legally. Us as a general public, we just can't get any old police officer's body right. cam. We have to go through Open Records Act or a, a subpoena or some other legal form of requesting it. We can't just get it, right? I think this should fall under that because you might be the world's worst documenter, right? You might go in. I, I just seen it in our students because they don't know any better. But you go in. We were called to seventy year old female patient difficulty breathing. When we got there, she had difficulty breathing. So we gave her oxygen, took her to the hospital. Done. Okay, there's a whole lot you left out there. A whole lot you mm-hmm. left out. But with a body cam. And somebody goes, my mama died because you didn't treat them. Well, that write-up just says, yeah, you didn't treat them. You didn't do it right. And that's a legal document. And that's what a lawyer is going to pick apart. Right? That's what a jury is going to hear read to them. But you get a video that all sides have that can be not doctored because multiple people have copies. There's a, oh, okay, you you did great. Vital signs. You did good comforting the patient. You identified immediately. Da, well, da, da, with da. all the technology that we have now, you've got, you know, you put them on the monitor. It's going to, you know, take copies of the vital signs. I think that, you know, I'm 100% for it. You know, I think I also think not only do they have body cams, but they also have cameras in the back of the truck so that the physician can look and see, so that you can so that you can consult with mm-hmm. medical control and get, and they see more of what's going on. Yeah. I think if we do that, then it would expand our scope even more. We might be able to do more than what we're mm-hmm. already doing. Exactly. Um, you can try outside the box techniques. I mean, yeah. now it's standard. Now we put CPAP in the, mich- in, in the back of the truck. But when I was on the truck, that wasn't a thing. Right. And I went outside the box and did positive pressure ventilation on a CHF patient because they were drowning. And it worked. You know, but that was, that was not in our protocols. It wasn't against and, protocols. And, and you know, like but, we're, we're talking about like the body cams now. And just to reference back now, like in Florida, they passed it so that from what I understand, and I haven't fact-checked it, yet to to check and make sure that it's just in a facebook post but that supposedly you can carry medics can now carry a weapon well i know georgia was trying to pass that as well too but it didn't you better have some cameras i think florida did and i think that i would feel more comfortable with medics carrying if they were wearing a cam because now it's going to keep that hot-headed 21 year old in line because, you know, police officers go through a lot of extensive training on how to utilize it. Mm-hmm. And I could just see, and I've said this before, and the other thing, I could see somebody just sitting there like this. Like, what hospital you want to go to? Yeah, holding the holster. Hold, just having their hand on yep. it. And that's just a thing of intimidation. And then somebody texts it the wrong way. Like, what, you threatening me? Yeah. You threatening me with that piece? I mean, that's, what you, yeah. And then, and then next thing you know, it, it goes up. But if you've got the camera on it, number one, 
I'm going to follow the because you should go through some extensive training before you could carry. But that camera is there to be reviewed. Yes. And if it comes up that you were negligent, then number one, there's higher penalties, termination, loss of licensure, and it's right there too. And I w- that's one reason yeah. why I would um, go for that. I, as I well. go I go to the body cams as I have seen it too much in my career. Of well, if you didn't document it, you didn't do it. So there's a lot of bad behavior or bad medicine that gets covered up in their documentation. And it's not just that on the medic side. It's also, too, on the other side where you've got the family saying, oh, they were rude to me. Oh, they didn't do this. They did that or whatever. And now we just say, well, ma'am, sir, we're looking at the video and the medic was extremely nice to you. It's like here at the school. I've got cameras up everywhere, yeah. and I've had students and people complain about instructors, and I've brought them in, and I've brought up the video in my office and put mm-hmm. it on the TV and say, okay, explain to me where he was rude to you. But while we're watching this, I want you, here's a pen and paper. I want you to mark the times that you were rude. Yeah. And they're like, okay. And you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, you see their head. Yeah. Like, okay, so what's the complaint now? Well, I guess I just felt that way. You know, it's just so I was having a bad day. Yes, and sometimes that happens. People are stressed, they're having a bad day, and they take it the wrong way, even though it wasn't meant to be that way. And I think that the cameras would alleviate that. It works for the police. Yeah. I mean, Um, how many times has it either exonerated the police or it has disciplined the police? mm -hmm. And how many times has the body camera, and I don't know this about my police officer friends out there, but do you think the body camera makes you keep a level of professionalism all the time whenever you're wanting to smart off? Because I remember once I was pulled over by a, a law enforcement official, and I was getting off duty. I was doing 50 and a 35. Yes, I was speeding. I was, and I'm ready to take my ticket. I pulled over. I was ready to take my ticket, and all of a sudden, they come up to the window, and they're like, "Like, do you know, do you know how yeah, fast you were going?" Yeah. I was like, "Yes, I was doing." And he's like, "Like, this is ridiculous. You're a, you, you, a yeah. paramedic, and you should know better. I should, you know what? I could give you a." ticket and you could lose your job and i'm like sitting there saying give me the ticket yeah i'm not gonna lose my yeah. job over a speeding ticket no. i'm sorry i've been doing this long enough i've got one speeding ticket on my thing i'm not dui i'm not i'm doing 15 over i'm sorry i'll go pay the fine and more than likely i'll plead out i'll go to court and they'll probably drop it down it won't even mm-hmm. go on my record so what you know but i got chewed just so happened to be, and I was running my side gig job at the time, Tom's Computers, and I was going to another house of a law enforcement official who was a supervisor for said officer, d- officer <laughs> or said department. And when I got there, he was like, "Hey, how's it going, Tom?" I was like, "Man, I just got cussed out by one of your one of your officers." He's like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I got." You know, and the thing is, he didn't. After he did that, he didn't give me a ticket either. He let me go in the morning. But it was just highly unprofessional. It's like, that's fine. Don't talk to me like I'm trash. Yeah. You know, I understand. If I do something wrong, I'll take my medicine for it. But then next thing I know, I was working on their network and stuff in the house. I got a phone call. I was like, 
Mr. Campling, this is so-and-so. It's like, I just wanted Officer to call. Officer Cussie. Yeah, I just wanted to call to apologize about my behavior. You know, it was strictly unprofessional of me. And, um, but Blonde is like, look, dude, I, I, it's fine. But see, that's, that's a slight issue because it was, but we know being in, in different industries in the, in the field that, that probably wasn't a one-time incident, and right, they're probably were the aware. But what a camera, right? On but it situates that that it's going to be reviewed if uniformity. there's a complaint, yes, and could end up on national television. Is that going to keep you uh, and that in, keeps a stri- everybody in, in a straighter line. line? I fully believe in living out loud, man, and and I do go towards the negative because I've seen people hide things. We're going to talk about. Uh, how we're, we, we alluded to how the state can't investigate everything. And we're going to talk about some of how investigations are handled for complaints. But it's what do you have to hide? Stop hiding. Do your. Ma- mm-hmm. That's how you get corrected. That's why we talk to our students here. New students get so scared to get their hands in on the scenarios. And what are you always saying? You have to get up. You can't sit at the table and read scenarios. you got to get up and do it because how are we going to know you're doing something wrong? You have to be wrong so we can correct you. Not always, but in certain situations. And if, if you got ju- – even if that camera for AMR is just re- reviewed internally, they can go, hey, we noticed, Charles, that you, you sat there and on this airway call, you, know, you, did, you did this drug instead of this one, which our protocol is this one. We want to educate you. Yeah. You're not hiding and you're getting better at what you do. Well, and you're and the thing is though, you're getting paid to do a job. Yeah. You're getting paid by the employer to deliver that medication at just like that protocol says. That's what you're getting paid to do. I and and I've been in more situations. Okay, so once I left the field and I really got in the media, I started recording all kind of phone calls. I don't mean sneaky little tricking Tom into saying something. I mean, I went to war with ANTT for two weeks because they lied to me. And I didn't record that phone call where they lied to me, but I recorded every phone call after that where I fought a $400 bill that should have been $40 because they lied to me. And I had to fight and I had to go through supervisor after supervisor. I recorded all of it. It got resolved without recording, but I was building a case. Is what I was doing. Is like, no, this is how this person talked to me. This is how this person talked. Right. And you know, blah, blah. And I, 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 as much as we can, be afraid of a a Big Brother state. London seems to work just fine. Now I don't know anybody who works in London. I don't know how they fully take it, but they have CCTV cameras on every corner, literally on every well, we corner do around here too. Some of the I cities, mean. but I, I think one of the cases we're reviewing. Unfortunately, because you don't think about this when your family members are. My wife didn't think about. It. My wife videoed. What was going on with her mom? Because she'd been taking pictures of the injuries so she could track. Because She's not trained to visually know this is a different wound. So she was taking pictures. So in that habit, she was videoing some of what her mom was doing so she could show it to the doctors. She has video of her mom stroking out. She doesn't have video of the medic coming in with nothing, not even a clipboard, saying, can she just get up? Not wanting to do their job. I, and, and when we made the complaint, what we got back from the service was, well, we reviewed it. We've, we've counseled him. Sorry for your loss. Because her mom died. Mm-hmm. But not because of his care. Her mom died because of the medical stuff going on. But it was, we don't want him to kill. He's going to kill somebody walking in. That's not right. And all we got back was, yeah, we talked to him. Sorry. But, no, I need a bigger stink made. I need you to say, we reviewed the tapes. We did the, But, service, how many times did, were you willing to say as a supervisor, okay, this is what we're, after a legit complaint, 
that you investigated. This is actually what we did. Here's a documentation. Here's everything. Or did your service say, keep it in the house? You can't tell people that. Right. Well, most complaints are going to be kept in house unless compelled to go. I outside. know. And that's a problem. And sometimes, and, and we're going to talk about the restrictions of what the state can do, but if you can hand the DPH, right? For us, that's EJ, right? Department of, of Public Health. Public Health. Thank you. Um, she can only, from what I can understand, what we were talking about earlier, that department handles the licensure, right? She verifies that I did everything I was supposed to by the state mm-hmm. of Georgia to get my EMT license, and that you, let's say you're a service owner, that you've done everything to get that red sticker on your ambulance. Right. But that, and that's, I'm sure I'm oversimplifying. I'm sure she has a little bit more flexibility, more power, but she can't go. I can't go, why didn't Tom fire Jeremy because Jeremy did a bad job? She has no jurisdiction no. over that. But if I hand her a video of negligence, she knows the people to get that to. And that's what I'm all for body cams for. And I'm all for, as I move forward, after this incident with my mother-in-law, yeah, no, anytime the officer, anytime police might be called to my house, which it doesn't happen, but it could, theoretically, or an ambulance comes or a fire engine comes, I'm going to have my cell phone out. Well, and I hate feeling that way. Because I want you to do a great job, I feel like I have to record it because when you don't do a bad job, nobody believes me. Right. Sorry, you were going to say something. What got that medic, remember that medic in, what was it, DeKalb County, where they slapped the patient that they was They punched the kid in the face that was punched restrained. Punched him or whatever. Had there that not was, been a body cam, that, that would have been covered up. the body cam. It would have been covered up, not necessarily by well, AMR, but it started to cover, the, the protection starts at the other partner. I don't, I don't know, because the police were there, they... They were the ones upset. How many times have you been on a call? Those, those police officers were upset about. They it. were, they were. It might. You're right. They might not have been covered up. But how many times has something happened to where right. I ran into an old acquaintance of ours that he should have been relieved of his duty permanently and the ability to have that duty because of a mistake he made. But it was a, it was a you almost killed somebody mistake and that's not acceptable you should have known better but it all got swept under the rug every last bit handled i'm sorry the phrase is handled internally mm-hmm. and i do obviously have a problem with that i use more aggressive terms of swept under the rug because that's how i feel about it because it shouldn't be handled internally we should have a governing board that says you got to prove to somebody else you did right or wrong but we don't want to do that as medics right. in in your natural response maybe not yours because you've gone through educating on a school level and doing this and running this and doing that. But it seems like the knee jerk reaction from most, and mine was that until the last I, 10 years was, I don't need to answer to somebody I, who doesn't understand my job. I think that if it's something to do with the scope of practice or standard of care, I think that there should be a higher level that looks into that for all services. Um, but whenever it comes to internal employee things. Well, they were a, rude. Okay. That's, that's, a, a, that's a job thing. Yeah. Thing. But um, I think that not showing up on a call with your equipment, that may be a state. That should be. I don't think it is, though. I, I don't think it is either from some of the stuff that I've been researching. I don't think that the state can say, well, you documented you. Well, from your documentation, we can infer. Because nobody's going to say, I didn't well, take stuff the into the house. The state doesn't outline how you deliver the care. If you walk in the house and you don't have any equipment, that doesn't signify that you're not delivering care you're still doing a patient assessment you can get in the patient access i mean i don't know because i 
I have to look at this call from beginning to end because was was there enough room to take all the equipment? You know, do you need to get up there and get the patient out of that location so you can get them somewhere where you can work? There's a lot of factors that go into that. So, and I don't, and I don't know all those factors. Well, there's, there's, and on different calls, some of the papers that we have there to look at, there was that one about the, the LMA, where the fire department documented that the medic didn't seem comfortable with the scene. They weren't or, quite listening to, like the, the EMT, firefighter EMTs wanted to put an ET, or uh, maybe it's two different calls, but they wanted to put a, uh, combi, tube. combi tube in. Thank you. Yeah. And the medic's like, no, I want to intubate, but I have to intubate. I can't, because you couldn't intubate there, but you could have put a combi tube in. Right. You know, there was, there was, I think it's two different calls, but it's that, that level of, okay, if I know the fire truck's there and they've been on scene for five minutes, I'm not necessarily going to bring my jump bag in because they have theirs. Now I'll bring, if I'm in the cab, I'll bring my stretcher with my monitor on but, there. But that's, not, on there. but that's not fair either because you're talking about two services. You are talking about two services, yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, two budgets. So I feel like that I should bring my equipment and they bring their equipment. Okay. And that's probably how the people paying the bills feel about it, too. You know, because that fire department, they don't get the bill for that run. That's Whereas true. Whereas the ambulance service, they're going to get paid for using that. Now, what you and I have personally done, a little side note, outside of complaints, is we run with a lot of volunteer services. Right. And they definitely have their own budget. It's like, hey, you use gloves? Here's or a box. Are you, how are you doing on gloves? Here's a box of gloves. Here, here's a bag valve. Exactly. You use yours? Here's this one. However... I know the hospital didn't like that. Most places didn't. So you get into a situation where, you know, we were doing that, but we weren't supposed to be doing it. Yeah. I... And I don't understand. I think that it's good, you know, good co-working relationships, but I'm not the one paying the bill either. And I don't have that upper level relationship with that fire chief and stuff like that. Uh, and sometimes they don't bring their equipment, and that's that's what Jonathan's talking about. Yeah. So and how do you know? Yeah, how do you know the firefighters yeah. brought it in? Um, you're just assuming they did, and then you're also assuming that that firefighter checked that equipment off. Somebody, you know, that that bag valve hadn't been sitting there for two years yep. in a hot bag in a in the back of a truck, yep. a pickup truck. I mean, you know, that that the indication there is that Good they point, cra- the plastic would be cracked and it wouldn't work right. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's – I there needs to be more because what, what I, I, I have seen internally at Ambulance Service I worked for is I'd work with somebody or back them up on a call. And I'll give you two examples. One was with you. One was with a different service. And the one with the different service is I'd come in and say, this is unacceptable. Well, okay, let's look into it. And I would push it. I come back. Okay, what'd you, and they would stonewall me. They would just change our shift so we wouldn't work together. And I'd see them out there doing the same problem. And like that's unacceptable. Be you know they they didn't intubate a CPR patient when they could have. I'm making this up because I can't remember what the call was. But you know you're in a big open floor plan in a living room. You can intubate right then and there. And they didn't. And they waited till they got to the truck. No ET tube, no OPA, just bagged them, got them to the truck 20 minutes later, and then intubated them. Or, better yet, here's a more legit call of the lead medic goes to intubate, 
and they can't get it. And they're obviously struggling. And they're in and out or in and out, in and out. And, and I'm going, would you like me to try? No, 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 I got it. The captain medic who happened to be my partner was, no, let, let me try. You're not getting it. No, 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 I got it. And I'm like, no, you didn't. It's in the stomach. And they insisted they had it until the stomach bloated enough to where the air was coming out the anus every time we bagged them. And, and we documented that. And that person, who happened to be also a captain, which outranked me, never got disciplined. Never got, Or if they did, I don't know about it. And there needs to be some transparency. I understand not yelling at, at you in front of everybody else. But there needs to be, hey, this was a universal call. Multiple trucks were on it. At least address it with that crew of this is the remediation we've done. Now, the call I have with you was, it wasn't with you personally, but you were my captain, was I was lead truck in on a traumatic arrest. And another medic cut me off, like jumped in the back of my truck, shut the door and said, let's go. And I addressed it with him personally. And you heard me addressing it. And then you came and backed me up on it. And, but you did it in a professional, I addressed it in a professional manner, and, but, but a personal manner. And you addressed it to everybody on shift. And that I felt like was transparency of, no, this is the policy. This is how we work. There's not a written, you don't jump into somebody else's truck and shut the door. But let's talk professionalism. Mm-hmm. And you, you made it an educational point, and that was a good way to handle that. Um, so, oh, uh, uh, yeah, John was talking about bringing stuff in. Um, what else, man? What, where are some, some other I – mean, when it's a legit medical complaint, where do you draw the line of we address it with that one medic or the team and not the whole company or not even relating it to the – person who complained well that depends on the call too and the level because you know we've seen in some of these complaints that you've got some rookie medics making rookie mistakes and that's what people got to understand is that people are not infallible and people are going to make mistakes and people does that mean you need to crucify somebody because they make a mistake depends on the mistake depends on the mistake it does but people still make Mistakes, yeah. you know. I, I, so I started this mindset. This is what changed my mindset of how I should be in the field. Um, back in the early 2000s, BART is the Bay Area Rapid Transport. And like MARTA is here. And so mm-hmm. BART has its own police officers just like MARTA does. And that scenario there, their police officers, I don't, I don't know what MARTA does. They, they may be the same. But they were post-certified officers with guns and tasers and the ability to arrest, and they worked hand-in-hand. Basically, it was the division of the police department. And they're, just like with Atlanta or every big city, there was a problem with gangs and fighting, and they were breaking up a, basically a standard gang fight where it got a little violent on the train, and they had people, as you do, cuffed or zip-tied on mm-hmm. their faces. And an officer who was a rookie... Pulls his gun and shoots a kid in the back, almost shooting his partner at the same because his partner was on top of him holding him down. And the guy does what they do is you got the wrong person. It's not me and resisting to a point, to a point that didn't actually even warrant tasering. He ultimately got arrested and sent to jail because he took a life. And my my whole point of that story is I had to say. I could break down the whole call, and I did. That was one of the first calls my show ever really dove into at that time was we, we had pictures from the scene. We could say, well, 
your taser's on this side. Your non-dominant hand had the taser. Your dominant hand had the gun. You pulled the gun. Not only did you pull the gun, you put your finger on the trigger, which is against mm-hmm. protocol. Blah blah blah. I mean, there's all we were able to break it down and say, okay, that's the educational part. I have to say, I'm sorry, but when your mistake takes a life and it is your mistake, you lose your career yeah. and quite possibly your freedom. And that's the same with in, in, in EMS. Is if you're you're a rookie. The, my first call as a medic, my first true call as a medic was a kid ejected through a windshield. That not only did I have to deal with that, that I never was, you know, you're, you can't be prepared for your first one, right? We can try. Right. But as, unless you experience that your on your ride along. Your first one by yourself. Yeah, your first one by yourself. You are the man for non-sexist mm-hmm. lack of words there. Uh, you're the person in charge. I also had to fight with the fire department because a guy jumped in my seat, tried to intubate, had no patch saying he was a medic. I assumed he was a medic because he was handling the intubation semi-correctly, but he was in my truck taking too long to intubate the patient. And I had to threaten violence. And it caused so that takes me out of medic into personal. I could have made all kinds of mistakes. And if I had made a mistake to cost that kid his life. It would have been on you. It would have been on me. And it absolutely should have been. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I maintained his status of life. We got into the hospital. Everything worked out. People make mistakes. And yeah, there are levels. You know. How do you retrain that? I mean, some of these complaints that we see about basically retraining. It's a rookie medic who's not safe on a scene, who's not comfortable. Do you think the fire department ever got told that they got retrained and here's what we did? Well, there's a a level of what you can talk about when it comes to discipline legally. Somebody, you can't just openly talk about somebody being disciplined legally, unfortunately. But um, it all comes down to there, there's a system-wide issue. Yeah. We, we take – now you can go from nothing to paramedic. There's, there's a program here in Georgia that will take you zero to hero in about two years, two, two and a half years. And you can leave that program. Having passed all the having tests. Having everything. And have zero experience. Now, back in the day, when I went through paramedic school, it was almost a requirement to have some level of experience to get before into you could go school. to medic school. Yeah. Now, they don't have that. So, you have that, and you have these young medics getting out there, and they go out, and then they ride with the FTO for 48, 72 hours, or... 40 hours, and then they're let go. Mm-hmm. And they have no experience. I remember back in the day at Newton, when we worked at Newton, we were double paramedic trucks. Now you can't find There was a time med- when you could do medic, double medic you trucks, can't, yeah. And you can't find that hardly anymore. No, they just passed a law saying a, a double basic truck can run 911 calls. Yep. Now, they had to change it because there's not enough medics, medics and advanced. Yeah, because you can run advanced EMT trucks all day long, too. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that uh, they wanted to um, pay less because now they can put two basics on the truck. Well, there might be some of that, but, yeah. Make a little. But, yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's a problem. I get mad at cover-ups. I hate. I I don't want to know that you got in trouble. 
What I truly want to know is, as a company, we took steps to actually, we acknowledged this was an actual issue, and we took steps to try to resolve it. And is it dealt with? Yeah. I think, and I've I've talked to people about this before, I really think that we need to have almost like a journeyman's process to become a paramedic. We've got people who've taken it, and they're like, oh, we all need degrees, and that's another conversation that we need to have about the degree thing. I don't think the degree thing is is that's not what i'm talking about I, I think it has its place but i think we need some some system where we're just not throwing paramedics out there into the wild and setting them up for failure they need to ride yeah. with another medic for a while yeah get earn some experience it. yeah and earn it mentoring and yep. yeah uh, and there's one other thing I want to tackle here, but this one, this is something else. Uh, Dallas Lane Dempsey says, my firefighter buddy says he lets medic handle everything the second they say that he has done something wrong. He'd rather not risk it. Well, I, and that's, I get that. I mean, there's some medics who don't like your style, and that's a personality conflict. And I'd be the same way. as like, if I know you're going to come in and yell at me, second you get here, I want to handle it. But then there's that other thing of, did you do something wrong? And can no. I help you? And there's a way to handle that. Right. And, and, but the thing is, it sounds like, I mean, that's a fire versus EMS thing. And how often, I know, except with my crew that I ran with on a regular basis, how often are you going to run with a, another crew and take the time or have the time as a medic to go follow up with them? Like, hey, man. Or, hey, I call girls man, too. It's like, hey, man. I saw you, you do this. Can I help you with that? And then are they going to be responsive? Are they going to think you're talking Mm -hmm. down to them? I mean, oh my God, there's so much interpersonal stuff that plays into this. Um, But so the last thing, let's wrap it up with how we want it to be. Because I think you and I are slightly different on this. I would love to move to a place where everything's open. The discipline reports, the, the complaints, how we handle it, body cameras. I would like to see a big push to that and then dial it back if this isn't helpful. My, my belief is, was it helpful? I tease that to my kids all the time. I learned that the hard way of I made comments to patients and firefighters and police that did it do any good? That's the better word. Did it do any good? Right. Were you right? That doesn't matter. Did it do any good? No, it kind of escalated the problem and made a bigger problem for you. But So I, I think the big my personal stance is let's make a big push to open everything and then find out Start cutting off that pattern of did it do any good? Well, no, we're finding out that putting everything out there is not doing any good. Let's bring it back to this is the part that does good. What would you like to see? I mean, I'd like to see certain things brought out where where it's out in the open. I think that there needs to be um, some clear-cut guidelines on complaint processes and things that can be handled. What exactly does the state handle? What exactly does the service handle? And then if there is a complaint, I think there need that is a service level complaint. I think there should be a report given to the state that we've had this many complaints. This is what we did to correct it. And that goes to the state. Now, I do think there needs to be a level of confidentiality there because I don't think it's anybody's business when somebody's disciplined either on the discipline level. Um, oh, and there's level of discipline. Yeah. Uh, quick uh, um, comparison with if an officer messes up an outside agency usually the state patroller or if it's state level the federal you know some other agency investigates it right, right? we don't have that right. at all 
I'm not sure how nursing works, but I know with doctors, there's a medical board. And if they get censured well, or sued, that's public knowledge. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but you're well, that, it'd be one thing if you're sued. No, that's different. Well, they're sued, but there's, the, you can check about, with a doctor's you know, record on a public board, and you can see that they were censured or lost their license. I mean, there's some public that, discipline. I'm not saying it's all public, but. But, but that's more legal than. Sure. Than, well, we need that then. Than somebody, you know. If you're hiring me as a medic, how do you know how much trouble I've gotten into before I got to you? Right. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the honesties of the services, too, whenever they're doing the background checks. Yeah. And a lot of services, because you and I have had this personal conversation, I picked it up in the industry that a lot of services just want to say, yes, they worked here, or no, they didn't. Yeah. And it's because they want to avoid any problems. And that's, that's another, it's another show. We're wrapping it up. But that's a huge, huge problem I have in the industry of passing problems along to the next to service. next service, yep. I know for a fact... One I worked with, one I didn't, but two, one was an EMT, one was a medic, but two people in the field that were drug users. That mm-hmm. one was legally so. had back pain medication, but he was abusing it. And I called him out on it, and I pushed the service. He worked for six to eight months more as a drug addict, not getting fired, just got taken off of my trucks I wasn't going to put up with anymore, and ultimately got laid off. And big, got passed on to me somebody else. The other one was a medic who was mm-hmm. stealing patients' uh, medication or using, like, if he got morphine orders, he put an INT in his ankle. And they found it. Instead of pressing charges and calling the police, because they literally found him with the INT in his system and got caught using morphine, got fired and moved on to another service. Yep. Mm. Can't yep. get into that right now, but that, that's a that's, problem. Yeah. That's Some, a problem. Stuff like that, but you're, you're getting into legal issues yeah. there. Yeah. Where that's legal theft. And maybe that's we do another. Theft. Maybe we do another show on legalities of stuff because I think you and I both have stories of services are afraid to deal with legal issues. Yeah, because they don't want the negative publicity. Yeah, but that's another time. Uh, we're going to start doing these things on Thursdays. We might move well, the date around a little bit, but we're trying to do it a little earlier in the week. Uh, again, keep sending us stuff. We've got a couple of people who've seen the shows. We're we look into everything that we get. It might take more time. Some takes more time than others. Because, I mean, some of it's really in-depth. There's some things that we obviously can't talk about because uh, as ongoing legal actions. Um, John, I think John's like the D- DNA. That's not DNA <laughs> like the body. I'm sure that's a service, that uh, uh, yeah. a legal thing there. But uh, basically, yeah, keep sending us stuff. We appreciate it. If you're in the industry and you would like to have us look in a direction, and we've had a couple of industry leaders do that, by all means, send us, us articles, know. point us in a direction, give us a name that we can track down and call. We'll, we'll keep you anonymous. Just let us know. Uh, you can always hit me up, Charles, at gaims.com. You can call us 678-561-2368. Option seven. Option seven. Uh, you can leave a message and just say, yes, you can play this on the air. And we're going to assume that we can't unless you give us direct permission. And if you email me, just you know that kind of thing, message us on the Facebook page. This Facebook page right here, facebook.com forward slash Georgia Institute of EMS. We definitely try to investigate and look into everything. Uh, Again, though, we're not a news reporting outlet. We're an opinion-based talking head outlet that will use the news, but we'll use some of the standards. I'm not going to talk about something Mm -hmm. I can't back up. I need facts. The more you can give us, the more we appreciate. Uh, Anything else, Tom? No. Thank you, uh, everybody. Well, we do have uh, uh, classes coming up in July. 
July 15th is orientation yep. for EMT. Mm-hmm. We've got new programs. Check out Georgia uh, EMS. Holy crap. GeorgiaEMT.com is our website. Yep. We've got a hybrid program. We've got a traditional program. We've got all kind of awesome program. stuff. Yep. Flex. We've got an EMT and an AMT program coming up. Thanks for, for checking us out. Check out all that other stuff, and we'll see you. Well, next week is the holiday oh, week, so yeah. maybe not next week, bang, but definitely bang, two bang. weeks. Happy fourth. <laughs> I thought you were just going hunting. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for, for checking us out. We'll see you next time.